great. I like Dory. I like Dory. So forgetful. We like that. I want to read to you now from Galatians. See if we can make a bridge somewhere. <laughs> this is Galatians chapter 1. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the, than the one we, you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You know, um, we're going to do a little series in Galatians in the evening together, and we're going to explore something of the depths of this letter. So I want to introduce it this evening, but just, I hope, quite briefly, because um, this... This, more than anything else, Galatians is a letter about freedom. It's about finding freedom in our own lives. It answers the question, how can I be truly free? Free from guilt, free from fear, free from doubt, free from sin, free from always trying and never quite making it. Lots of people think freedom comes from different things in life. Some people think freedom comes from keeping your head down and just doing the right thing, you know, being good, obeying the rules, trying a bit harder. Uh, We give a bit of our money to charity or we follow the Ten Commandments or we obey the golden rule or we light a candle or whatever we might do. The list is endless because the human mind is endlessly creative in the ways in which it devises to often try to please a God it doesn't understand. But rule-keeping always fails in the end because you can never be sure you've done enough. Have I prayed enough? Have I helped enough? Have I given enough? The other extreme is that freedom comes by throwing away all the rules. Live for yourself. That's what counts. We only get one life, live it. Make the most of it. Do what you want. If it feels good, do it. But in the end, hedonism doesn't work either. Because you end up leaving one form of slavery for another. You drink and you end up with a hangover. Or you gamble and you lose money. Or you sleep around and things go terribly wrong. And you wake up with a guilty conscience the next morning and a hole in your heart. But if legalism doesn't work, trying to find happiness by keeping the rules, 
And if hedonism doesn't work, the pure pursuit of pleasure, regardless of the rules, where can we find true freedom? Well, that's what Galatians is all about. It's all about finding that that we have in Jesus Christ. Freedom comes not from rules or a lack of rules, but it comes from that personal relationship with Jesus. It comes from giving our lives over to him and following him with all that we are. That's why this little book is so powerful, because it's a, it's a letter that helps us understand what it means to be set free by Christ. Paul, you'll remember, had the most dramatic of conversions. Probably not everybody here has had the most dramatic of conversions. I'm married to someone who was brought up a Christian. I envy her that. And uh, she says at some point, aged eight, she gave her life to Christ, and she hasn't really ever doubted since. And I live with her. I know that she prays her socks off most days, and she studies her Bible, and she loves her Lord. And it's a wonderful thing. But she always says, I've got no dramatic story to tell anybody. And I think, well, that's wonderful, actually. That's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that we walk into that place, isn't it? That place of freedom that comes from Christ. I, I, on the other hand, wasn't brought up as a Christian. and uh, my, my, my parents were Catholic and they, they, they wanted us to go to church. And they said, um, they were the sort of parents who said, you go, we'll stay at home. That was the sort of rule in our house. So uh, uh, I, I, I said, well, I'll, I'll go to the 8 a.m., Mass at the Catholic Church. So I used to get up really early. Sunday morning, before my parents got up, I'd get up really early. I'd log in at the paper shop at 7 o'clock, do my paper round, pick up a notice sheet from the Catholic Church on the way past, and bring the notice sheet home afterwards, and have three quid in my pocket from doing a paper round. I never actually went to the church, but I I did pass it every Sunday. (laughs) And then... um, one Sunday I saw this lovely girl who went to this local church and I thought, well, I'll, I'll just follow her, see where she's going. And I thought, well, I'll go in because there seems to be quite a few lovely girls going into that church. We'll see what's going on in there. What would attract them so? And um, I listened to people talk about what it meant to follow Christ. And I listened for probably three years as they expressed it and explained it and told stories about it. And if I'm honest, when they first started talking about it, I thought, this lot, they're a load of nutters. That's what I thought. I thought, they, they've lost the plot somewhere. How can they believe in something that's so distant and, and you can't find it in your own life? And then, through a process, I too just came to know what it would mean to be a follower of Christ, and I ran an outreach club for guys off an estate. They were uh, the guys who were always disrupting everything. And it was a wonderful thing. I, I loved it, actually. And um, I ran it with a group of others. I had the most marvelous, lovely lady who used to run it with us. She was called Dorothy. And um, uh, she was uh, probably 70 at the time. And the children and I were frightened of her. We were all frightened of Dorothy, but you just did what Dorothy said. And um, she, she'd arranged for this guy to come in and do this outreach thing. She loved Jesus. She would talk about him nonstop, and she arranged for this guy to come in and do this outreach thing for the teenagers. I was in there listening, 
I was thinking, this is good, looking after them. And uh, then uh, he said, well, if anybody wants to give their life to Christ, you can come with me up to the church afterwards. We can do a little walk, and we'd walk up, to, walk up to the church, and you can give your life to Christ. And I said, well, I'll, I'll look after the teenagers, and I'll walk them up to church to make sure they're safe. And Dorothy said, they're so kind, Mark. And I went up, and they all sat in the front row, and I sat on the back row, and as they prayed, I prayed. And I gave my life to the Lord that night. And I just said, I said to the guy who was speaking after us, I said, I, I, I will do this as long as I, you promise I never have to tell anybody I'm a Christian. And he said, no, no, that's fine. You never have to tell anybody you're a Christian. Well, that was the first night I went home and had a discussion with my mother what it meant to be a Christian, and it's never stopped since. And we've had those discussions. I've had those discussions with many people, and my mother and father are now both Christians as well, and it's a wonderful thing. But Paul, he had this dramatic conversion. And as such, he was so turned around. Do you remember he was the one that was persecuting the Christians? He was the one that was putting them to death. He was the one that was fighting against what they were doing. He was so turned around, he said, don't let anybody take from you that that you first believed in. This is the truth. This is the way. This is what we're called to believe in. And that's what this little book is all about. He begins in a lovely way, as Paul does. Letter from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or by human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. There's Paul's statement of faith right at the beginning. This is what I believe. I believe that Jesus was risen from the dead. That physical resurrection means that there's new life for you and for me. Paul absolutely believed that. He experienced it as a person. He knew the hope that he could have that was established in Christ. And he says, all the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the church of Galatia. Then he says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. That's the lovely thing, isn't it? Grace to believe and peace when we do. So often that's what we need. We just need grace to believe, grace to understand that actually Jesus Christ is the one that we need to follow. And then he, he comes in, as it were, in all his other letters, Paul gently comes in by affirming them and loving them and and reassuring them of their ministry and what he's got to do with them. But in this letter, he comes in with some really strong language straight away. And I think this says something of Paul's heart, a brokenness there. He says this in verse 6, I am shocked, he said, that you're turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. I am so shocked. You could say that they're deserting their saviour. He calls them confused. He accuses them of perverting the gospel. He says, look, this is the only way. This is the way. It is through Jesus Christ. The reason I showed you that little clip from Finding Nemo was because, you see, the fish are all over the place. But when Nemo says, It's this way and this way only. You swim down. If you get that, you get life. There was only one way for the fish to get out. Now I know it's a bit of a tenuous link, but I thought it'd be fun to have Finding Nemo. But 
But, but the thing is this, so often we don't believe that it is one way, but it is one way. It is one way, and it's through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And that's not very politically correct, and I know that's not very politically correct, but that's what the Bible says, that actually we have to have a faith and a hope in our Lord and Saviour. And Paul is so upset. He's so upset because the Jews have been teaching the Christians and have been saying to them, you've got to become a Jew and keep all the law again so before you can put your faith in Christ and call yourself a Christian. They were coming in and undermining all the teaching he put into the churches, undermining the, the authority that he had, undermining the way in which the churches were deciding just to follow Christ. I've been in several different places this week. So I was speaking at St. Paul's Cathedral on Thursday. And I got into the... Um, but if I'm honest, I wasn't, I wasn't sure I was looking forward to it. But I got there and I, I got into the... I think it's called the Canon's Vestry or something. I don't know what it was. But anyway, we got into this little room. And uh, this lovely lady came up to me. And she said... Um, in all the regalia, you see, and I turned up with my robes, and she said, you do have a alb, don't you? And I said, no, I don't have one of those. She said, oh. She said, you do have um, a surplus, no, not surplus, uh, what's, the, what's the scarf? Stole, that's the word, stole. You do have a stole, don't you? I said, well, what colour? She said, red. I said, no, I don't have one of those. She said, well, that's what we're doing tonight. I said, oh. No, I don't have those. She said, well, I'll get you dressed. I said, it's very nice. In the canon's vestry, this lovely lady dressing me. And she said this to me. She said, you've got three or four hundred people out there. Actually, you're nearer 500. People out there, she said. What we want, Mark, is the gospel presented in an engaging and catching way that they might know something of Christ today. I was thinking, this is St. Paul's Cathedral. This is supposed to be all tradition. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. This is the gospel. Every day we get to speak the gospel in this place to all those who come in. I thought it was wonderful. I was caught by surprise by that. We had such fun. And then she read the wrong reading for me. And so we had a bit of a, we had a, bit of a discussion about that in the cathedral. It was quite fun. And afterwards, she said, oh, it's such fun working with you because you're quite relaxed. So that was all right. So I'll get an invite back. So we, we, did, we did that. And then I was at another church speaking. I was at another church speaking. And they, they said to me, they said, um, we, we, we put the gear on again. And they said, um, uh, oh, to, to do this, you have to do this and this and this, and you have to do this in this way. And I, I said, well, well, Why? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing this in this way? What, I mean, I, I, tradition's great, but actually we don't have to do certain things. All we have to do, friends, is believe and trust in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's all we have to do. We don't have to do anything else. And I spoke at this other place, and, and um, uh, afterwards uh, we ha I, ha I had a queue of people in tears in different ways because I've been, been such a bad speaker. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> but I cure people in tears and each and every one said, I want to know the Lord that you talk about. It, it's, it's just about knowing Jesus Christ. 
That's where freedom comes. That's where change comes. That's when lives are made new. That's when transformation happens. And Paul had experienced that. And he says, what are you doing abandoning this wonderful good news? That God has reached out to you in grace and embraced you in his family. And as soon as he's done that, you've received that peace in your heart, that peace that passes all understanding. That you would know the fullness of life that is found in God. Paul isn't trying to win the approval of men. That's what they've been accusing him of, actually. They've been accusing him of... uh, He says, says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people because they've been saying Paul's a real people pleaser. He'll do whatever people ask him to do because he just wants to get favor. But actually, Paul is anything but that. Paul, if you you read on in uh, Acts, you'll see that in in Acts 14, 1 to 20, you'll see that Paul was stoned in Galatia. Certainly wasn't a people pleaser. He was stoned and left for dead because he was preaching the one message of the good news that is found in Jesus Christ. And he was saying, this is the way, this is what you've got to receive. So he certainly wasn't a people pleaser. What he was, was a God pleaser. He was someone who said, I would rather live my life for God than try to live my life for somebody else. And you know the truth is that if we, if we do that in our own lives, that's when we find peace in our own lives. That's when we find that that we're looking for. If we live our lives, if we live our lives for, for God, we find the freedom in life that we truly want. The thing is that so often people don't believe that it could be that simple. I don't know if you've ever had a discussion with someone who wants to, is thinking about coming to faith, and you say, well, do you know, if you just would pray and invite Christ in, and I know that's just the beginning of the journey, and there's a, there's a whole road of sanctification after that, there's a whole road of journeying into this and discovering what it means, but if you just begin the journey, that grace step, you say, I make a decision, I choose to follow Christ, as soon as you do that, Christ will come in, your life will be different. If I had a pound for every time someone said to me, well, it can't be that simple, I'd be a very rich man. But it really is that simple. We just need to say yes to Christ. Yes to the one who promises to make our lives different if we choose to say yes to him. Christ died on the cross. Paul says grace is an undeserved gift of God. Christ died on the cross that our sins would be forgiven. I don't know if any of you here would be willing, but if we could um, just uh, plug a little lead into your head and just, just put up on the screen here everything you've thought about in the last 48 hours, pictorially. I don't know if anybody would be willing to do that. Anything might come out that shouldn't be there, any jealousy or anger or other stuff. Jesus died that that would be dealt with. He died that we would know that freedom from that. He died that we would know cleansing from that. He died that we would be different because of that. And he says, look, if anybody comes and preaches a different gospel, if anybody comes and preaches a different gospel, he says, don't listen to them. In fact, he's pretty strong on it, isn't he? He says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven, 
who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Friends, the letter to the Galatians is a letter from Paul about us receiving the good gifts of God. It's a letter that says, believe in Christ. Trust in the promises of God. Take take that that's written in the Gospels and put your faith firmly in it. Take that that Jesus taught and believe fully in it. And as we do that, we will know true freedom. As we do that, everything else will pale into insignificance. And we will know that that only comes from and through Jesus Christ. I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to work in our lives this evening. And I don't believe that the gospel is just a message that is a once one-time commitment to Christ, I believe that God comes and changes our lives. And I'm, I'm somebody who's experienced the healing of God in my life in all sorts of ways. Uh, physical ways, seeing God do some amazing things, both in my life and other people's lives. I've actually seen, with my own eyes, I've seen a blind woman get her sight back. It's very difficult to say after that, that doesn't work very difficult to say, well, that can't be true. Because I watched it. It was the most marvelous occasion. And um, this guy was praying for her in front of the whole church, was praying for her. And um, praying for her to get her sight back. And as they were praying for her, he kept saying, can you see anything? And she was going, no. Can you see anything? No. And it took about... 20 minutes and when you're sitting in the congregation for about 20 minutes and this one bloke's just praying for this one thing and you're thinking well I was thinking I know you've got far greater faith than I have but I was thinking oh come on you know <laughs> enough's enough surely one prayer's enough and then he said for the I don't know how many times can you see anything yet and she said yes I can see a big fat man in front of me he was a big fat man (laughs) and at that point he said we're getting somewhere and all of us from that moment had gone from that I'm falling asleep moment to oh my giddy aunt God does this sort of thing and we watched as she got her sight back and this was her prayer she was about 80 years old this was her prayer she wanted to see her family once more before she died and the whole family came together. They had a family party, and she saw everybody, her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And don't ask me why, but immediately after that, she lost her sight again. Her prayer had been fully answered. She was absolutely at peace. She'd seen her whole family again. And when she died, that was a great, great funeral service, because it was a great celebration of somebody who'd had an amazing prayer answered. So I wonder what God might want, you might want God to do in your life today. What is it that you want to trust into his hand? 
Do you fully trust in him as the way, truth and the life, the one that we're to follow, the one who is the resurrection and the life, the one that we've just celebrated on Easter, came back from the dead that we might know life in all its fullness. I want to do two things this evening. I want to pray, first of all, that we would perhaps come again and say, Lord, I give you my life. I trust in you. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Saviour. And the second thing I want to pray is, Lord, what do you want to do with us this evening? And we're going to wait and just see what the Spirit wants to do with us. Is that okay? So would you stand with me? Father, as we come before you this evening, we come as a group of people hungry to hear you. We come as a group of people longing for your holy presence. And Lord, if we, like any of those in Galatia, have accepted or embraced a different gospel, we want to ask your forgiveness. If any of us have sought to water it down to be more socially acceptable and therefore have dishonoured the sacrifice of the Son of God, Lord, we want to ask your forgiveness. And we want to say tonight, Lord, we put our lives in your hands. We say we trust in you, the Lord and Saviour. We give our lives over to you. Holy God, thank you. Holy God, thank you. Maybe just in the quiet, just now you pray that prayer in your own heart. Lord, I give my life to you again. I trust my life to you. And I trust in you for the rest of my life. And now let's just invite the Spirit to come. What do you need him to do for you today? You need him to bring healing. You need new hope. Do you have anxieties or fears or worries? Do you carry a secret burden for something? Are you carrying something that feels too big for you? That's a picture I had as I prayed this afternoon. Someone was carrying something and it just felt like too big a thing to be carrying on your own. It feels sometimes as though it's going to explode out of you. I don't know what that is, but if that's you, don't go this evening without getting prayer. Do you need healing, physical healing, or emotional healing?
Lord, by your Spirit, come. Wash over us tonight. Let your healing power come. Lord, hear the cries of your people here and come meet us. Now, if you have something that you would like God to work in your life, maybe you've got a prayer that you continually bring and you would like to bring it before the Lord this evening that he might, perhaps even tonight, answer that prayer. Why don't you just come on out the front and spread yourselves across the front. We just maybe kneel or sit or stand across the front, whichever way you want to do it. But why don't you come? And why don't we have a sense of expectancy as we do this? together. So come. You've got something that you're carrying, come. Just come on out the front. John, perhaps we could just have some gentle worship. Just come on out the front. Just come. Just come. That's it. You might be carrying a burden for somebody else. Just come. Just come.
Wouldn't it be lovely to receive this evening a gift from the Lord? And maybe he wants to put hope in your heart. Maybe he wants to heal your body. Maybe he wants to mend an emotion. Maybe he wants to put hope where hope is drained away. Maybe he wants to put peace into a relationship. Father, would you give your gifts to your people this evening? That as we go through this week, we would go carrying something of your holy presence within us. And like Paul, we would have a confidence. A confidence in the gospel, a confidence in the good news, a confidence in you, Christ our Saviour. change everything that we would remain strong and faithful to you that gift whatever it is the Lord's brought to mind just receive the gift and Lord may each of us in our lives be a little more Christ like because of you your influence in our lives. For your glory we pray. Amen. Now this is what we're going to do. We're going to leave up here just for a little bit. We're going to ask John and, and others to play. Are we singing a song? No, we're not singing a song. We can. No, I don't think we should. I think we'll just, we'll just let it be quiet up here, but we'll let the worship team lead some reflective music. So if you would like someone to pray for you, just make your way up to the front here. I'm going to be up here with a few others. We'd love to pray with you.